Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You may sit down. Let's come to the Lord again in prayer as we consider His Word together. Father in heaven, I ask that now by the power of Your Spirit, You would open our hearts to receive and understand Your Word. We are thankful for the penetrating power of Your Word in our lives. And Lord, I ask that I would make Your Word clear. Help us to see the beauty of it today and obey You as a result. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I wonder, when was the last time you were provoked? Provoked. Now, I'm not talking about last time someone cut you off in traffic or the last time that uh, you watched something online or in the news that made you mad, but when was the last time that you were provoked in a good way? The last time someone helped you to do something you should have been doing anyway. Many times in life we need to get provoked because we we naturally drift towards the path of least resistance. We naturally drift towards complacency. And over this last year, many of us have been yanked out of our normal routines. They've been disrupted. And perhaps you find yourself in a place of drift right now. Maybe you've been drifting in some of your lifestyle habits over the last years, and you've put on the COVID-19, pounds, that is. And uh, it's only your doctor's words that have provoked you to make some changes. Or maybe you are a student at home from school, and you're drifting away from a, a normal schedule, and it's your parents who are provoking you to get off the couch and off of video games and into something more productive. Or maybe it's at work. You're, you've lost some motivation at work, and it's your boss's words that have provoked you during your annual review to get going with what you should be doing. Or maybe even more seriously, it's in your walk with the Lord that you've been drifting over this year. You find it hard to pray or find time to spend in God's Word. You don't have much motivation to share your faith, or you don't really want to be around people. You know, it's natural for us to drift, and that is why we need one another. Maybe today you're not in a place of drifting, but you feel like you're in a place of strength. Well, this passage today is is for all of us, no matter where you find yourself. And my prayer is that this passage will provoke us in a good way. 
so that we might encourage one another to stir one another up to love and good works. That is the verse that we're considering today in verse 24. Again, it says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. To fulfill this command, we need one another. If you are just joining us today, I know we have some new people with us this morning that I met earlier. You may not know where we're at in the book of Hebrews and in this series. So let me give you a brief overview of where we're at. We've called this series Better Together. One, because the whole book of Hebrews is about someone who is better, namely Jesus. This book was written to Jewish Christians who were being persecuted for their faith. They were tempted to go back to Judaism. And so throughout this this book, the author of Hebrews has been saying, Jesus is better. He is better than the angels. He is better than Moses in the entire Old Testament. He is the better and final high priest. There is no need to go back to Judaism. There is no need to move on from Jesus because he is better. And we need that message as well. We're not tempted to go back to Judaism, but we're tempted to maybe move on from Jesus, to drift into complacency. And so we need this message of Hebrews. And more particularly in our series, we've been going through a series of different uh, truths followed by commands. So there's been two truths and three commands, and we're coming to the third command today. So if you look Earlier in Hebrews 10, verse 19, we see that first truth that we came across. Pastor Ben Panner uh, taught on that a few weeks ago. It says, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. He has provided the way by his own death so that we might be able to draw near. Truth 2 came in verse 21. We have a great high priest over the house of God. And so because these two things are true, the author says, this is what we need to do. This is what you need to do, Christian. Christians together, you need to draw near to God, verse 24. Hold fast the confession of our hope, verse 23. And now verse 24, which we're covering today. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You see, this third command requires us to get outside of ourselves to look outward to those around us. And as we look at this text in the original language, I love how it breaks down. It breaks down a little differently maybe than your English translation into a command, consider one another, and then a purpose statement for the purpose of stirring up love and good deeds. So a command and a purpose statement. And that's how this message is gonna follow today. A command, we're gonna go over the command And then the purpose statement. So first, the command that we are to consider one another. When we think of this word consider, we've seen this word once before in the book of Hebrews. It's in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, where we're asked to consider Jesus. So consider Jesus and now consider one another. So with these two examples, we can see that this word is used slightly different than the way that we might use it in everyday language. So when I use the word consider, it's like I'm going to the grocery store and I'm going to consider whether or not to get mint chocolate chip or vanilla ice cream. It's 
It's always going to be mint chocolate chip, by the way. But I might consider for a minute. Or I'm going to consider whether or not our kids should go into travel basketball or something that's far cheaper, like park district basketball. So it's a contemplation. And surely the word does mean contemplate here. But when we're called to consider in the book of Hebrews, we're called to not just contemplate, but to look at, to notice, to intentionally fix our eyes upon. So what does that mean for us to consider one another? What well, means if we're going to consider one another, we need to see the people around us. We need to notice what's going on in their lives. We need to intentionally seek them out and, and understand what is going on. Diane Lamberg, an author and professor, says, every time you leave your place of comfort and enter into the suffering of another, you are living and loving as God. We need to consider one another. But so often we get stuck in our own little worlds, do we not? Life gets busy and our needs being met become the top priority. Our comfort rises to the top. That's what's natural. But here God is not calling us to what is natural, but what is supernatural. To get outside of ourselves, to consider others, and specifically to consider others within the family of God. Well, here's the point. In order to consider others, we need to know others. We need to intentionally look for others in community. We must have a willingness to come alongside. Now, depending on where you're at right now this morning coming in, you may hear those words say, hey, we need to be involved in others' lives. You say, oh, man, I'm so busy. There's no way. You don't even know my life. Or maybe you just think, the way that I'm made, my natural temperament, I, I just don't really like people. <laughs> and so uh, I, don't, I don't think this is for me. Well, uh, no matter what your temperament, no matter how God has made you naturally, he does call all of us, all of us as his followers to get outside of ourselves and consider others. This isn't a box to check. Like, oh yeah, okay, today I checked the box. I, I uh, considered one another. That, that's, that's a good box. This is not a box to check. It is a way of life. So where do we get this motivation to live in this way, to be on the lookout for others, to seek to be involved in others' lives? Our motivation comes from the preceding verses, those two truths I talked about earlier. Our motivation comes from, from the one that we follow, who gave his very own blood that we might have access to God. The one who considered us above himself. We get our motivation from the great high priest, Jesus, who is himself interceding for us even now. We are children of the king, and he has given us his heart. So what does that look like for us practically to consider one another, to look for one another? On a very practical level, if you're not watching online, well, you might be sitting next to someone you don't know online. It's, it's hard to imagine that. But 
But today, if you're sitting here in church, it's, it's getting to know people at College Church. Even as I was walking down the aisle, I met people that were brand new to College Church for the first time this week. I know another couple that this is their first time. But you may have been here four or five years, and no one has really taken the effort to get to know you. Unfortunately, I, I work, not unfortunately, I work in the, uh, the welcoming. Uh, I was going to say, unfortunately, I work in the welcome, welcoming department here. But, but I do kind of head up our welcoming and assimilation. And some, unfortunately, this is the unfortunate part. Sometimes we hear a feedback that says, well, you know, no one, no one welcomed me my first time at Cod Church. I, I came the whole time. No one said hello. We came and we left. And that's it. Friends, that should never be true of believers of Jesus Christ, that someone could enter into a gather, gathered, uh, a gathering of believers where someone is not welcome, warmly welcomed into the family of God. And so it's just practically say hello to somebody next to you before you leave. Don't just come in and come out. Get to know them. It also means be willing to go a little bit deeper, to reveal something that might be on the heart level for you, and to also ask questions on the heart level of someone else. To not just say, hey, how are you doing? You fine? If you say that, like, what are you supposed to say? Oh, no, I'm doing horrible. My life's falling apart, you know. <laughs> no. But, but really looking at someone, how are you doing? How could I pray for you this week? Another way that we could consider others is by getting into community. Some people have been around college church for a long time. And again, I hear a lot as a pastor. I've heard people tell me, you know, I come to college church just to hide, to be anonymous. Because it's a large church, I come in and out, I love that. Well, we don't love that. We don't love that. We want you to be in community because that's what God calls us to as believers. So get into community. You can start by uh, serving here at College Church. It's a, it's a large church. way to get involved is really just to start serving and get to know one another. You can do that. Join our greeting team. Call me. Or you can uh, go serve in our children's ministry, our disability ministry. Many people have testified. I didn't know anyone at College Church until I, I started serving. Or maybe you need to get in a small group. Get involved with people on a deeper level, in a smaller context, or an adult community, or a men's or women's ministry. Whatever it is, we need to be involved with one another if we're going to consider one another. So would you ask God, even today, Lord, how would you help me to consider someone else? Well, there's the, there's the command from verse 24. Consider one another. Now we come to the purpose statement of the verse. Why do we consider one another? It's for this purpose, to, cons- to stir up love and good works within them. This word translated stir up is a very intense word. The only other time we see this word arise in the whole New Testament is in Acts 15. You might remember Paul and Barnabas. They had a sharp disagreement. Wow. Sharp disagreement, stir up. This is a provocative word. The point is, is that to stir up is to uh, disrupt the status quo, to cause to action. And in this case, it's positive action. You know, I was thinking about stirring up, and my mind was drawn immediately to bees. Now, just stay with me for a minute on this one. So recently, it was discovered that we have 
a beehive at the very top of our roof, honeybees. And those bees were living very contentedly their lives for a long time, it seems. That is until we hired Pete the beekeeper. And Pete the beekeeper, he built this whole scaffolding up to our second level. And then from the scaffolding, he has a ladder 30 feet up to the top of our roof. And to Pete's surprise, as he opened up our soffit under the roof, the hive was a little bit bigger than he thought. 60,000 bees. And I tell you what, those bees were stirred up to action when Pete, the beekeeper, opened up the soffit. And although he had the full bee suit on, they still managed to get under his suit and sting him many times. So I'll never be a, a beekeeper. But in this verse, God is commanding us to act like Pete, the beekeeper, in one another's lives, to stir one another up to action. Not so that we like sting one another, metaphorically speaking, but in a, in a positive way, that we might disrupt the status quo, the, the complacency of our lives in one another's lives, that we would just stir one another up to love and good works. Because it's so easy, is it not, to forget our calling, to forget our purpose, that we are called by God to glorify him in this world. And a key way that we glorify God in this world is by doing love and good works that he's called us to do. We need to be reminded. We need to be stirred up. But in order to do that, we have to, as we just talked about, consider one another. We need to be involved in others' lives to impact them in this way. Well, it's important to note that the Hebrews that this author was writing to were not a bunch of slackers. They weren't just like these kind of weak Christians who needed to be exhorted to love and good deeds. No, in Hebrews chapter 6, we know that they were filled with love and good deeds. And later on in this chapter 10, we see if you just go up to verse 32, we learn that they suffered persecution for their faith. They were standing strong. And in the midst of the persecution, verse 34 says they had compassion on those in prison. And listen to this, they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property because they saw that they had an eternal home that was secure. Now, these were not weak Christians, but they still needed to be reminded because they were tempted to go back. They were tempted because of this pressure to stop following Jesus. And we need the same reminder that they needed then. It's so easy easy for us to drift away from the faith, especially when we're not together. Because who else is going to call us out in our lives in a good way? The stakes are high. If If you look just a few verses after our passage here, there's a strong warning, a warning to Christians saying, if you continue sinning deliberately after you've received this grace, there's only an expectation of judgment. This is a strong warning. We need one another to help one another fill out our calling from God, to live worthy of this calling. So what does it mean? It means if you are a Christian, you are called to be an agent of positive provoking in one another's lives, in other Christians' lives. That is your calling from God. And it doesn't matter what age you are, what stage of life you're in. That is 
your calling. And one of the best ways you can do this is by way of example, through your words and through your deeds. What does that look like? What could that look like? Well, let me give you two examples, one from College Church and one from Phoenix. I used to live in Phoenix. So at College Church, just a couple years ago, there was a family that wrote a Connections article. That's our newsletter if you've never read it. Find it in the kiosk. There's some good articles in there. And they wrote this article about their involvement with Safe Families. Safe Families is a ministry that takes at-risk kids and puts them into safe homes while their birth parents kind of get on their feet and get in a more healthy place. And so this college church family was writing about their experience with safe families and how that, that had really transformed their family. At the same time, another college church family was praying about what to do next once their youngest kid went off to school for the full day. As the second family read the article from the first family, they were stirred up to action. They met immediately with this couple the very next day. And the day after that, they signed up for safe families and began to take children into their own home. After a number of years, one of the children became, they became very attached to one of the children and ended up adopting that child. And still the second family is bringing more and more kids into their home. And they have been an example to my family and countless others here at College Church. And so you see this ripple effect from one family doing love and good works, writing about it, intentionally trying to stir that up in others, and then another family acting upon that, and then me and so many others being affected by that. Or what about an example from the business world in Phoenix? When I used to live there, there was a group of businessmen who endeavored to give 100% of their profits away to Christian charities. It's quite amazing. So these were very successful men, and they gave away all their money that they had made to Christian charities. But they weren't content just on this amazing act of radical generosity. No, they also recruited other young business leaders to mentor them and to challenge them to do the same. So for a week every year, they would bring these young leaders in and mentor them and show them the ways of how they could use their businesses for the glory of God. They even gave some of these young men money so that they could invest in charities of their own and they could experience the joy of giving. You see how one group then stirred up others who then stirred up so many others. Well, you may be thinking at this point, well, that's, that's great, Eric. You know, those are some inspiring stories but do I really need to be committed to stirring up love and good works in those around me? The answer from this text and from the entire Bible is a resounding yes. Because as I mentioned before, the stakes are high. It's about living worthy of our calling from God. Living worthy of this calling means being people of love and good works. Remember what Jesus said in John 13. People will know you are my disciples by your what? By your love. 1 John 4.19 says God's, uh, we love because God first loved us. And then Romans 5.5 says that God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
So this love that we're called to give to others and stir up in others is not something that we just try really hard and just grin and bear it and try to do. No, this is love that has been given to us by the creator of the world, his very own love that he has channeled through us to us so that it can go through us to others and impact others. The strength comes from him, not from us, but we need to be obedient. So we're called to love, but we're also called to good works. You know, good works often get a bad rap in some Christian circles. People don't want to be ever called a legalist. You know, hey, I, you know, my good works, it's, it's only about the grace of Jesus. And the answer to that is yes. But if you look at Paul in uh, what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, he does affirm, you know, it's by grace through faith that you are saved. It's God's work. It's not your work. Nothing that you can do can save you. But then in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, he says what? We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Or what about Titus chapter 2? It's very similar. It says that the grace of God in verse 11, it says the grace of God has saved us. But then if you, or grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. But then if you skip down to verse 14, it says that Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people who are zealous for good works. So yes, it is true. You can only be saved by the grace of God through the atoning work of Jesus on your behalf. You cannot earn your favor before God by anything that you do, period. However, once you have been saved, love and good works are a natural outflow of the believer. It is what God produces in us naturally. So if we are not filled with love and good works... We need to really question, do we know the Lord Jesus? John Owen, the great Puritan, rightly says that love and good deeds are the fruit of saving faith. In other words, they are a natural outflow of a heart that has been rescued by Jesus. Well, I realize that there may be some here today who do not know the grace of Jesus. They have not been rescued by Christ. May you hear this message today, not as a way to earn your favor before God, because your love and your good works could never earn your favor. Only the precious blood of Jesus, his death and resurrection could make you holy in God's sight. You are dirty, unclean. We all are apart from the work of Christ. So would you trust in Jesus today? And would you be then called into this compelling community, a compelling community that is full of love and good works, that looks out for one another and lives out the life of Christ here on earth? It's an amazing adventure. So would you believe today if you haven't yet? I'd love to talk with you about that later. But for many of us, we have trusted in Christ. So, so what is the next step for us on how we can provoke one another to love and good works? 
Well, here's two ways. First, let your light shine. Ask God what good works is he preparing for you even right now. From the beginning of time, God has prepared good works for you specifically and us together as a community. What are those things that he is calling you to do? What, who are those people he, he's calling you to influence? Could be a note that he's calling you to write to somebody. It might be a relationship that he wants you to initiate reconciliation with. I bet even now the Holy Spirit is putting on your mind somebody or some situation that he wants you to step into. He's calling you to it. So act. Don't delay. Don't let that feeling fester. Go and do it. And second, let's look for ways to stir up one another to love and good works. This could mean inviting someone along if you're going to share your faith. Maybe they don't know how to do that, and you can just invite them along. Or maybe you're having someone over to your house, and you can invite a newer believer who's learning about hospitality, what that looks like. We could write a note to someone if we can't get out, if we're homebound. I know some of us have, are homebound uh, who are watching online. There's ways we can be praying for one another and encouraging others as we tell them that we're praying for them. We can stir up love and good works. Again, no matter your age, no matter your stage, you are called to this glorious task. So let's stir one another up to love and good works. I'm going to close with a story, a story from my life uh, when I was in college. To give some background, I became a believer when I was fairly young. And so when I went to college, it was a state university far away, very non-Christian, environment. I had been a believer for a number of years, but I was terrified to share my faith. I could probably count on two hands the total number of times that I'd shared my faith just because I was afraid. But I got involved with this Christian group that were very zealous, to say the least, in sharing their faith. It was the culture of this group to share their faith. There was people who had just come to Christ like last week. They hardly knew anything. And they were just sharing with everybody how Jesus had rescued them. And I was stirred up in a good way. These people took me, their arm over me, and showed me how to share my faith, gave me opportunities, and then I began to fit in with that culture of evangelism. And boy, did I experience the joy of sharing my faith, of the most important thing in my life with others. I was stirred up to love and good works that I was called to do in sharing my faith with others because of these faithful believers. So what's the point? We're all in process. We're all on some continuum of becoming conformed to the likeness of the Lord Jesus. And that's why we need one another. We need to consider one another and stir one another up to love and good works. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for your goodness to us. We are grateful that you have called us into your kingdom and that you have made us your own. Lord, we ask that as a community, we would consider each other. We would look out for one another. Lord, for this purpose, to stir up love and good works amongst 
each other. Lord, make us uh, people that receive and give uh, these love and good works. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.